Hey, this is Jim, and you're listening to the podcast edition of the Jim Toth Show. Hear us live weekday afternoons from 1 till 3. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. My next guest, probably, well, along with myself, would like to have been put into a real baseball game. Uh, right before we get to my next guest, I want to say that Skyler Peters is still working on the story, and he has confirmed with Share Health that on the incident in Gimli on the weekend with the skydiving uh, incident where Jean Dutois, 53, passed away, um, Shared Health has confirmed that Stars was on another call at the time that took place. So whether um, even if the call went out, they were on another call at that time when it took the uh, rural ambulance 36 minutes to get to uh, the scene there. So thanks to Skyler, continue to dig on that and great work on the story and the story yesterday too. And very much appreciate Bob Moreau's joining me, President Manitoba Association of Healthcare Professionals. It's a dire situation and we've been covering a lot of these uh, situations in healthcare over the past months, the past years. Um, And I know even in the city, paramedics are having a really hard time with it. Um, with their doing their jobs and stuff too. So hopefully we'll get some more answers and some movement on on, on trying to help this profession uh, moving forward. So lots more to get to. Peter Quinlan will have a uh, forecast for us coming up in the next segment. Doug Brown's going to be by in the next hour to tee up the Blue Bomber season. We're going to talk about a Ukrainian family who was in two different countries as they fled and now have been reunited here in Winnipeg. And uh, also we'll uh, talk with uh, McKinn Sherpa, uh, Peter George on the new slogan for Winnipeg. Uh, Ron Arnst joins me now, longtime PA public address announcer, former media member too, and an all-around great guy. Uh, Ron, how are you today? Do you want to weigh in on the new slogan for the city of Winnipeg? Um, I think it's pretty good. Uh, Winnipeg's a very real place, and uh, I think the slogan kind of reflects that. Uh, I've seen some... Uh, humorous takes on it on Facebook about uh, <laughs> how we're like 35% pierogi and that kind of thing, which is, you know, that's always good. I have a, I have a pretty active sense of humor, so I enjoy that kind of thing. But yeah, I have, uh, I have no problem. It's, it's a lot better than some of the other slogans I've seen in other cities. And in fact, even past ones in Winnipeg that I didn't really think were, were based in reality. And Winnipeg is very much a, a feet on the ground kind of a place. Yeah, I agree. I, I I don't mind it at all. I think it's kind of good, and I know some people are delving into um, what it's going to do, what it, how it's going to work, and all that. But I I don't have an issue with it. But I know we're going to continue to talk about it. Thank you for joining me today, sir, and congratulations, class of twenty twenty Manitoba Baseball Hall of Fame. Congratulations. What does that sound like to you? Well, that's it's tremendous. I mean, you know, these are the kinds of honors and the kinds of recognition that you know, you never really think about it in your lifetime. And uh, for me, certainly, it's only going to happen once, and it, and it has. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm very honored and, and very thankful and very grateful to the uh, Hall of Fame Selection Committee and the Hall of Fame itself. And uh, I must say, uh, while I have the opportunity uh, with your audience, uh, Jim, if uh, you're a baseball fan, even a slight baseball fan, uh, take the time, make the trip to Morden, and go to the Manitoba Baseball Hall of Fame. It's a great place, and you will learn so much about the great players and coaches and the people who make baseball run and, and make it the great sport it is in this province. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful uh, museum, and it's, it's well worth your time, not only to drive from Winnipeg, but take your time going through it. There's a lot there. Yeah, I've heard that so many times, and, and every time I hear it, I'm like, I've got to do that because I really am a baseball fan and want to get out there. 
Um, talk about being inducted, Ron, because I know over the years getting to know you a bit, you're, you're very adamant about the people in the game and, and working in the game. And, and those are kind of the people that, um, belong in, in sort of hall of fames. I, I don't think you give yourself enough credit because what you do as the PA announcer with the gold eyes is from your passion for the game. And, and I think that you are more than deserving this too, because of what you've brought to gold eyes games. When did your love of baseball start? Well, I was, uh, it was probably when I was a young child in Saskatchewan, uh, listening to uh, radio, uh, uh, and uh, I mean, it, it really was impactful on my life. I would uh, sit in my room at night and listen to radio, and when you're on the prairies, and Saskatchewan in particular, and, and any rural areas in Manitoba will know this too, if you dial around your, uh, particularly then the AM dial, you'd get atmospheric skip, which means that you could pull in for brief periods of time uh, radio stations from far away. So I would listen to the St. Louis Cardinals or the Cincinnati Reds or the Chicago Cubs uh, games on radio. And the, uh, the professionals who were doing those games were really engaging as far as I was concerned. They told the stories of the game, and I started to love the game. And that also from that, grew a love of radio, which became my first career. Excellent. Yeah, and I can see that. So talk about getting on with the Gold Eyes in 94. Well, uh, that uh, grew out of uh, my activities in baseball. I was involved uh, at CKLQ Radio in Brandon, uh, covering the Manitoba Senior Baseball League. And at that point, it was uh, one of the largest, if not the largest, senior baseball organizations in the country. It was extremely competitive. They had uh, American imports, like I think it was one or two per team, uh, and uh, the baseball was very high quality. As far as I was concerned, it was the major leagues for me, and, uh, and I tried to cover it as such. And I got involved with a gentleman by the name of John Hindle, who was working for a sports uh, equipment company in Winnipeg Home Run Sports. And John was involved with the Manitoba Baseball Association, and and uh, we crossed paths from time to time. And uh, he was at some games where I worked the uh, PA mic, and uh, he had seen me do some uh, Master of Ceremonies duties and that sort of thing. So in 1994, when Sam Cates bought the Rochester Aces of the Northern League and moved them north to Winnipeg and turned them into the Gold Eyes, uh, I immediately jumped in and bought tickets. Uh, so I'm sitting in my seat. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd buy a, a mini pack, uh, so I'd go to half a dozen games uh, you know, in a, in a row kind of thing. Uh, so I'm sitting there in my seat one night, and John, who at that time had uh, left home run sports and had become the general manager, the first general manager of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, John came by and sat down beside me and said, well, how are we doing? You know, what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? What do you think? So we had a conversation. And he said, um, have you done public address announcing before? And I said, yeah, John, you remember, you know, back in Brandon, I was doing this. And doing, oh, yeah, I said, yeah, that's right. He said, would you like to do some more? I said, well, yeah. <laughs> this was a Tuesday night ball game, and he said to me, uh, meet me Thursday up here at the top of the stairs, uh, which is where the press box was. So I met him there Thursday night at 6 o'clock, uh, sat down in the chair, and it's been my chair ever since. Good for you, sir. Uh, any chance over the years or any time that you thought, ah, this is kind of enough? What keeps bringing you back after all these years? Um, my wife is listening to me as I answer that question, and she's <laughs> going to laugh. Every August, 
I think, oh, this this is too much. I've had enough. I'm tired. It's oh, there's no way in the world I'm going to do this next year. And the snow comes, and then the spring comes, and the grass starts to get green, and I'm ready to go back to the ballpark. Uh, so those those thoughts are fleeting when I'm tired, but I haven't had a serious thought about uh, not doing this uh, to this point, at least. What do you enjoy about it? Because I, I know you're you're such a fan of the game, Ron, but you work during these games. Like, I think people, you get to see the game, I know that, but but you also have to sort of focus on what you're doing at the time. Uh, it's just, it's fun from one minute to the other. Um, when I was uh, working full-time, I'm retired now, when I was working full-time, I'd work uh, 8.30 to 5 at the office, and then at 5.30, I'd be at the ballpark and work till 11 o'clock or whatever it was whenever the game was over. And people used to say to me, don't you get tired? I said, <laughs> it's not the ballpark that makes me tired. I said, it's that 8.30 to 5 stuff. That's where I'm tired. <laughs> I, I, I leave work, I'm tired. I get to the ballpark, and it's like I've been reborn uh, because of all the fun I have and the interest I have. I love uh, the game itself. I, I like talking to people in the game because of all the stories. And I really thrive off of the fan reaction. Uh, Winnipeg is a great place for this, by the way. Um, for years, uh, after the seventh inning stretch, the Gold Eyes used to distribute uh, to the fans ice cream bars. doesn't matter what the weather is. It could be raining and cold, and people would go nuts for the ice cream bars. Gold eyes, win, lose, or draw, the biggest cheer was for the ice cream bars. <laughs> uh, and and I, like, I, I like that crowd reaction. That's, that's one of the things that really keeps me going on the microphone. So any success or enjoyment that I have, I hope I'm, trying, I, I hope I'm spreading it to the people in the, fa- in the stands and they're having fun too. And if we can go to the ballpark and all have fun together, that's what it's really all about. Yes, and they do have fun because of you and your your great pipes uh, at the game run. Uh, the 2020 class was announced, obviously, in 2020 and had to wait till now because of the pandemic to be inducted. But tell us about the rest of the class and what it was like to go in with some of the other inductees. Oh, this was a this was an exceptional class uh, as far as I was concerned. Uh, Blaine Fortin, uh, Blaine is one of the best ball players to ever come out of Manitoba. Uh, drafted sixth overall, uh, or in the sixth round, I'm sorry, by the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Blaine told a great story at the induction uh, that I had forgotten about, I knew at the time. Uh, uh, Blaine was in the uh, Blue Jays farm system when they signed Roger Clements as a free agent. Uh, And uh, they called Blaine and said, we'd like you to come up to the Sky Dome, as it was known then, uh, and catch Roger Clements on his... uh, arrival in uh, Toronto. So he, he got to spend three days uh, catching Roger Clemens. Wow. Uh, he told me a story about Clemens. He said, I noticed when I was catching Clemens, he wasn't looking at the glove. He was looking behind me somewhere. And I couldn't figure that out, so I went and talked to him. And I said, Roger, why are you looking behind me? He said, I'm picking various spots in the stands, and that's where I want to start my breaking pitch. Wow. So he, his aiming point was not at the glove. He knew that the pitch would break and end up where Fortin held the glove, but he was throwing it at something else because of the break. I mean, it's just uh, Troy said, or uh, Blaine said uh, that it uh, it showed him just the precision and the thought and the professionalism of of a guy at at that level. Uh, Caleb Paul uh, was inducted. 
Uh, Caleb, of course, a uh, a very good pitcher. Uh, again, one of the best to come out of Manitoba. Played for several teams in the uh, uh, Northern League and American Association, as it later became. Uh, got on with Fargo. Uh, was very uh, happy with Fargo and very complimentary to them for giving him his start. And then he said they were also the first team that released me. And then he said the Winnipeg Gold Eyes picked me up, and he said I was thrilled to be with the Gold Eyes, and he gave complimentary words about the Gold Eyes, and he said, and they were the first team that traded me. <laughs> so uh, Caleb Paul was uh, was a great uh, um, addition to the Hall of Fame, as was Andrew Halpenny. Um, a lot of people don't know much about Andrew. He uh, uh, was a Gold Eye, uh, and, you know, as the backup catcher, you don't get a lot of uh, big-time press. Uh, but Andrew uh, was uh, a, a very good professional and went on to start what was Rookie's Indoor Batting Cages and Training Center, the first one of its kind certainly in Manitoba and perhaps, well, definitely in Western Canada, perhaps the first in Canada. Uh, and that now, of course, is the Home Run Sports Training Center. So Andrew was inducted for his good work. And Morris Mott, and uh, Morris was a uh, is a great leader and, and very involved in baseball. Perhaps people would know Morris better as a member of the Canadian men's national hockey team uh, and a hockey player with the Winnipeg Jets and with the California Golden Seals in the NHL. And uh, so those were uh, those were some of the fellows. John Craker was another one, a very dedicated and active baseball man who was inducted. Uh, um, the the late Jack Collum received a. Uh, honorary life membership and anybody in baseball you mention his name they'll know who he is he uh, he's uh, was a tremendous uh, lifelong contributor uh, and then there were some great teams uh, the Cardale Cougars Elmwood Giants teams uh, it's all on the uh, Manitoba Baseball Hall of Fame website and uh, again I uh, if you like baseball and you like baseball stories uh, you should also go to that website because there's some great reading there Indeed. Well, I appreciate you taking the time today, Ron. I couldn't be happier for you and your wife because I know she's a big part of um, uh, with all you do as well every summer too. So uh, you're very committed, you're very dedicated, and uh, a very well-deserved uh, recipient of the Manitoba Baseball Hall of Fame. Thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll see you down at the ballpark. My pleasure, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Have a great day. I'm very happy once again, as I always am, to bring on Anastasia Ureniak, who's a, a great local uh, part of the, the couple with Roman, her husband, who's a Ukraine historian. And uh, Anastasia, how are you today? You're just as a dynamic part of this couple doing such great work in our community. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. I finally slept last night after many months of not sleeping. It was so amazing. <laughs> oh, good for you. I'm so happy to hear that. I have to tell you, since I started this show... Uh, you and Roman are, are, and I like all my guests, but you and Roman are, are the way you reach out to me and, and we check on each other and you share your stories. I, I really enjoyed this part of this, this part of my career with getting to know you and Roman. So thank you for that. And I'm so glad you got some, some rest and some sleep because it has been nonstop and it's over a hundred days now since Russia invaded Ukraine. Absolutely. And we're just so happy to have you part of our family. We're so excited to share our goodness with you. And um, reaching out is just who we are and what we do. So it's all good. It is who you are. And it makes you a great part of the, the city and the province for doing that. And I appreciate you reaching out again last night because uh, you have a great story 
that we started about two weeks ago, and and it's come to a, a, a fabulous conclusion. Before we get to the conclusion part, just remind us of the story of your friend going to Mexico and running into somebody who they had seen for a couple of days, but on, on one of the days they were crying. Right. And so what happened was this is like the end of February, just right after the invasion of the 28th of February. And, and so um, my colleague and my friend, Fatima, she she's just such an amazing, beautiful person. And of course, she always wants to help. And so in in trying to help them, it was like, okay, let's come up with a plan. So then the plan was, we can't go back to Ukraine, that's for sure. And so what do you want to do? And so they thought about it a lot. And it was like, yeah, we want to go to Canada. And then she said, yes, we'll help you. And so that's where our journey started. So <clears throat> Fatima came back full of energy and really excited about happy, helping this family. And then she called me and she asked me to come on board. So we've been working on this for a very long time, and we've just got so many people working with us. Jim, you have no idea, or you probably do. <laughs> how <laughs> well, well, I, I don't, but our listeners might not. So share, share the story about how many people are helped with this. Yeah, like there's so many amazing, beautiful people in Winnipeg. Just everybody has been so helpful and so, so generous and so part of this. You know, from people who, and my goodness, he would be mortified if I gave his name, so I won't. People who have paid for their trip to come here. People who have offered all kinds of assistance with, you know, picking up stuff, collecting things, buying things, um, giving free rent for six months and putting together a house that was absolutely ready when they arrived yesterday in Winnipeg. So it's been a long journey. And finally, when they hit this, the soil in, in Winnipeg and we all hugged on the hug rug at the airport, it was just so emotional and so full of tears of joy and love and excitement. And then taking them to their <clears throat> apartment and, and bringing them there and this Little girl, she's like 10 years old. She has a smile on her face that I'll never, ever forget. And she would go to her bed, and then she, incidentally, one of the beds was from Sleep in Heavenly Peace. And she'd come back and give me a big hug. Thank you, thank you so much with a little bow. And oh, just so beautiful. I can imagine. And um, all good. Yeah, for sure. And remind people how long they were separated for, and, and literally, not just countries, but continents. Well, they they've been out of Ukraine since the 28th of February because they were out of the country in Mexico. And when the um, Russian invasion took place, they didn't go back. I shouldn't say they, he didn't go back, but she went back to retrieve her little boy who was two years old and her mother who had been left in Kharkiv. And then she she found them, and then she went back to Poland. And then, of course, they moved from Poland to Romania, from Romania to Bulgaria, and from Bulgaria to northern Macedonia. And they were in Macedonia for the last, oh gosh, I'm going to say um, month and a half, waiting and waiting. And one day they would get up and they'd say, okay, we're not going to Canada because things are better in, in Ukraine. We're going back. That's our loved homeland. And we're going back. And so they call us. And it's like, really? And then the next day, the missiles and rockets are flying. It's like, how do we go back? So it's been so emotional for them, you know, up and down, like coming here, not coming here. And yesterday when they landed, they said, 
this is the only decision we should have ever, ever contemplated right from the beginning. We're just so happy to be here. And I think part of these stories of no matter what the circumstances of Ukrainians arriving here, Anastasia, is part of that, though. They, they, they say that now and they view it now. But I think what's lost in this is you're doing such good work of helping people get here and get safe and get, get acclimatized and, and get settled. But it's still not home. And I think that that's lost in some of these stories a little bit in the fact that it is difficult, no matter the circumstances, to leave your home. Oh, well, absolutely. And I keep in my head and my heart, I keep saying, it doesn't matter what I say. Your home is still your home. And there's times like just recently when I, because I'm working with another three families and, and we were talking about traveling and I said, oh yeah, like I've traveled the world, you know, I travel all the time. They said, well, what's your favorite place? And I say, Ukraine. And then all of a sudden I catch myself and I said, oh my God, you know, I'm saying that to people who have had to leave their country, but um, it is what it is. <laughs> oh, it's so hard. You, I mean, none of us can really appreciate how difficult this whole journey is because home is home. And I know Roman and I lived in Italy for six years and we would be sitting at our table having dinner and crying and people from Canada would say, why are you crying? You're in Rome. And we're saying, we're in Rome, but we're not at home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. You know what? And and we're discussing that a little bit with this new logo for Winnipeg idea of it and how some people don't don't like it and, and Winnipeg exists and that, but it's home. And I think that that kind of ties into what we're going to talk at the bottom of this hour. You and Roman are literally sitting in Rome, Italy, having dinner, but yet it's still not Winnipeg. It's still not home. Exactly, exactly. We're not at home. We're not with our friends. We're not with our family. We're not with the the people that we absolutely love and adore. Yes, it's a great adventure. So many people are kind and nice to us, but it's not home. Um, Winnipeg's our home. (laughs) Sure, of course. Uh, You mentioned Sleep in Heavenly Peace, and and when they were building beds, not only for the community, but for the the Ukraine uh, refugees who were coming, um, we, I'm going to touch base with them, see how that all went and how everything's going with them. Cause it's such a fabulous organization that I didn't know about until you and Roman told me about them. Uh, but how did that go? How did the bed bill go? And you mentioned the 10 year old girl who saw her own, uh, there's such a fabulous organization, but how much did, the, did that day sort of impact all the refugees that have come from Ukraine? Oh, they, they couldn't believe it. We had taken eight of the refugees with us and they were so excited to give back because of the generosity and the love that people have showered them with and all they wanted to do was help out and they worked so hard and I know Jim was very proud of everybody because usually it's a four-hour build we were finished in two hours and 63 beds were built and the fact that there were Ukrainian refugees there building beds for their children and children of the Winnipeg community was just absolutely heartwarming. It was just unbelievable. And then to have the police come with their cars and loaded with pillows and donating, it was like, oh, what are the police doing? And then all of a sudden they open their doors and there's, you know, hundreds of pillows for the children. (laughs) It went very well. That's outstanding. (laughs) Anastasia, I really appreciate you uh, updating that story. I'm so glad the family got reunited and, and reunited here and for sharing everything. You and Roman keep up the good work and I hope you continue to sleep well and get plenty of rest as well because people need all the good work you're doing. It will. Talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. We will.
Thank you for joining me. Anisha, Anastasia, sorry, Anastasia Ureniak, uh sharing some stories of uh, the Ukraine situation, how they're helping here, and that great story, that family being reunited. What a, a story. A, a friend of hers goes to Mexico on vacation, and yada, 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 a Ukraine family is reunited here in Winnipeg that was separated. So thank her for the fine work her and Roman and everybody doing, helping all these different stories that are coming from the situation in Ukraine. As I said, Bombers, Red Blacks, tomorrow night, home opener, banner going up, 26 degrees out, sunny. What better place to be than in the stands or the broadcast booth? Doug Brown, our radio analyst and former Blue Bomber grade, joining us. Did you rather play when it was too hot, Doug, or too cold? Too hot, without question. You got to, uh, especially as you get older, right? You got to get, uh, you got to get all those uh, that lubrication in your body. So things tend to hurt less when you're uh, when you're overheated or, or, or warmer. So, plus if you hydrate properly, it's it's a lot of fun playing on a, a beautiful day, and that expects to be the conditions for uh, for tomorrow. Yeah, I would think so. And then too hot, too cold. But I would think in the twenties is just perfect for a night of football to play in and to watch. Yeah, the big fellas, we need a nice breeze coming through that stadium, right? We need some sort of cooling mechanism to uh, to bring our core temperatures down. But um, in the absence of that, it's uh, it's still it's it'll be pretty ideal. What a way to kick off uh, the 2022 season with so much on the line for this football team. Us big fellas sitting in the stands need it too, and we're not even doing anything besides maybe killing a few. Yeah, we're just, so. you're just sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there. Um, you said that like a lot to prove. Like I think. When we look at the the predictions, the standings, and 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 the the fact that they've only lost the Bombers seven starters, I believe, of the twenty four, um, that they look bound to repeat. But I, I think what you just touched on, and I'll let you expand on that, maybe is is we're thinking the same line that there is a lot of stake in here, and I mean, and I mean they're back to back champions, but to do it again, to three peat, to to sort of dial it up again and get it done, uh, th- there is some pressure to this season, maybe from some other ones where they're just trying to you know win one. Yeah, you know, this is uh, this year is this is the difference between uh, a very uh, successful and an excellent regime and a dynasty, really, right? If you win a, a couple championships in the Canadian Football League, um, you know that's a ton of credit to the players and the coaches and the front office staff that that put that together. You go from two in a row to three in a row. Now you're talking dynasty, the likes of uh, back when the Elks were known as the Eskimos and Warren Moon was leading their team and they ended up winning five Grey Cup championships in a row. You're now in that in that mention and, and being brought up in that conversation. And so it's, uh, it's a lot at stake, a lot on the table for this football club that uh, is really in its groove now. And, um, you know, a lot of things have to happen. A lot of things have to go right. You do have to get lucky in some respects to be playing your best football at the end of the year. But in terms of uh, positioning yourself in in a very uh, admirable way and, uh, you know, giving yourself every opportunity, this football club is, is well prepared to take another run at it this season. So what do you like about them? What do you think their chances are? It's a long season, injuries, everything plays into it. But uh, when you look at this roster and you see around the league what, what moves have been done and what additions have, have happened, uh, where do you like the Bombers' chances? And we'll just start with the regular season. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it all starts with your quarterback, obviously, and, and you're talking about the reigning league MVP, the reigning Grey Cup MVP. Uh, he was just named the top player in the CFL in the top 50 uh, uh, determinations by the media of, of who's uh, who's going to be playing Canadian football this year. So, you know, it doesn't get any better than, you know, your starting quarterback in terms of influencing the outcome of your game and determining the outcome of your season now. Uh, you have to keep that guy upright. You got to keep him healthy. The offensive line should be able to pick up where they where they left off. Um, I think a multifaceted, multi-headed running game. It's going to be interesting to see whether the guys can step up. Guys like Ellingson and and fill the the void that uh, some of the superstar receivers have left in going to other teams. And then defensively, you know, I think initially they uh, they'll have to find themselves, and they got some guys that uh, have some big big roles to fill. Largely, I'm speaking about Brandon Alexander not manning that safety position and recovering from an injury. I don't know how long it's going to take him to get back, but he is a massive piece of that defense. And obviously, we got another couple of new starters in the secondary. And uh, it's uh, you know this is a team that I think as long as the injuries do not clamp down on them, uh, I think they'll get better as the season uh, goes along. Uh, new players being in new starting roles, but they still have that great foundation. I think, um, you know, that they'll be able to rely on throughout, throughout the 18 game marathon. Which position, or maybe what are you looking at to see? Hmm. I wonder about this, this year, if this will be good enough. Um, yeah. I mean, when you lose your number one receiver, um, in, in Kenny Lawler and, uh, yeah, you pick up Greg Ellingson who has a history with, uh, with Zach Claris going back to Hamilton and, uh, he's been capable, but he's an, he's an older guy. He's a different style player. I'm just wondering, you know, whether they have, uh, enough explosive targets when you lose Darvin Adams and you lose Kenny Lawler. Um, whether they've uh, done enough to address that. And I'm also curious to see how the offense handles, you know, not having, uh, you know, one of the best Canadians of all time in, in the backfield and Andrew Harris. So uh, they've got a, a great duo of Johnny Augustine and, and Brady in, in the backfield, but it, it's not Andrew Harris as well. Right. So these are things I think I'm really going to spotlight on and pay close attention to. And uh, you know, the defense set an incredibly high bar of success in, in 2021 in terms of what they did in terms of allowing points and how few points they allowed in the fourth quarter. I mean, that was historic and incredible last year. So uh, that's uh, a pretty hard on- encore to, to, uh, to, or a burden to put on the, the, the shoulders of a 2022 group with a lot of different changes. But I think, uh, you know, if, if they can work on that, they could aspire to be on that level if they get some, some healthy players returning, uh, you know, at, at the midpoint or, or as the season goes through on. That was such a great story to last year's season. I agree with you. Like I was every game I'm listening to, paying attention to, to writing things down to talk about. But yet I'm also going. Okay, here's the fourth quarter. Can they do it again? Like it's just such a rare stat for what they got accomplished in that fourth quarter. Lastly, you mentioned Andrew Harris, and and you were a leader on a, on Bomber teams for years and years and years. 
Um, the kind of guy you can't replace. There are guys that can do just as much as he did leadership-wise, but that is a is a hole. I, I think that that needs to be addressed too. And I was talking to Nick Dembski on the show yesterday, and he's like, you know, we'll step up. And I think Nick's a prime example of somebody who will step up. He knew Andrew. They're close friends. He knows how to lead too when a leader moves on. But it is a, a gap this year in that locker room without an Andrew Harris there. Yeah, and Andrew, as much as he did on the field, which was a lot, right? You know, running inside, running outside, um, his ability to make people miss, his ability to catch out of the backfield, his ability to be an unbelievable decoy when he wasn't getting his touches. Um, it was also his, his leadership, his clout, and uh, I think he was a real firecracker for that offense in terms of you know, getting guys up and getting them hyped up and uh, excited and, and setting a standard and a level of play. So uh, when you lose superstar players, Hall of Fame players, uh, a lot of times it's not just what they were able to do on the field. It's also what they brought into your locker room off the field. So this is going to be, it's going to be real interesting. It will be excited. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I, uh, Super excited for, for the call and to see Paul Lapolis come back to town tomorrow. It should be very interesting. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that tomorrow too with Lapel coming back to town. Thanks, Doug. We appreciate it. And I can't wait to listen to you and Derek and Ed Tate in the pregame show tomorrow night right here on 680 CJOB. All right, my friend. Thank you very much for having me on. We'll see you tomorrow. Of course. Uh, Doug Brown joining us here. And are you got your tickets? Uh, like we said, high of 26 tomorrow. Sunny. Going to be beautiful at IG Field. The banner's going up and a great way to kick off the regular season for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Let's see if you can pack IG Field and uh, see what happens against uh, Paul LaPolice and the Ottawa Red Blacks.